Let's do Torah T on Shemos. Um, and um, today, as we usually do, we're going to review the two Sikhas in volume 16, Shemos 1 and Shemos 2. Let's do first Shemos 1 a little bit, and then we'll go to Shemos 2. So, we learn how the Jews came down to Egypt. And then the verse says, Vayokom Melech Chodosh Al Mitzrayim. A new king stood up on Egypt. Asher Lo Yoda Es Yosef. That who did not know Yosef. What does it mean, Vayokom Melech Chodosh Al Mitzrayim? A new king got up on Egypt. What does it mean, a new king? So Rashi says there is actually in the Talmud there is two interpretations. Chad Omar, one opinion says, Chodosh Mamash. He was actually a new king. Which means we read the whole story with Pharaoh and Yosef and how Yosef became the second in command and then his parents came there. They went to visit Pharaoh, and the whole story. Here, the Pasuk says, Yokom Melech Chodosh, a new king, stood up. Now, what's a little bit surprising, as the Talmud points out, if it was a new king, why don't we have a record? Why doesn't the Torah say, oh, the old king died, and then... A new king stood up. We don't have a uh, we don't have a record. There's no it sort of jumps up and jumps in and says a new king. It should have said it would seem that the first king died and then a new king came up. So the first interpretation that it was actually a new king, is not so comfortable because it doesn't seem in the verse that there was, uh, the old king died and a new king got up. So therefore the other opinion says, no, no, no. There was no new king. When it says here, Vayokom Melech Chodosh, that a new king stood up, it means It means the decrees. There were new decrees. No new king, but a new decrees. The king came up with new ways to make the life of the Jews miserable. That is what the Chodosh means. What, 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 made him, what made him change his mind, Rabbi? What, what, what made him change his mind? That's a very good question. And it will be part of the discussion. I'd like to he get some input. In the simple uh, explanation, these people were big Rishoyim. They were evil people. And the question we always have is, why are Jews so hated? Why is there so much anti-Semitism? Why, are, why is the Jewish history so filled with persecutions, with expulsions, with problems wherever they lived throughout our 
history in exile. Have we done anything to the people? Matter of fact, in most countries, the Jewish people contributed in all aspects of the governments and society where they lived, whether it was commerce, whether it was medicine, whether it was business, and any in all various different areas. The Jewish people always excelled. They didn't hurt the places that they were. They built them up. So Mrs. Reinen, the question that you're asking is, why were Jews expelled? Why were the Jews constantly picked upon? Why were there so many pogroms? Why were there so much service for the Jewish people? The answer is it's probably a combination of jealousy and an inherent hatred that is just passed along from generations. It's very hard to, but here, to answer your question, that's actually a big surprise because in our case, Yosef literally saved the entire country of Egypt. They were going to starve you. As we see, Yosef was the one that provided the food for the entire country. So it actually is not logical, it doesn't seem logical for them to go ahead and make all these terrible uh, decrees against the Jewish people. Why would they do that to somebody who's just saved the entire country? So, according to the first interpretation that there was a new king, that's maybe makes it a little bit more, somewhat more logical. A new king, he himself did not experience any of the benefits or the favors that the Yosef did for Egypt. And therefore, sort of the Torah is telling us, a new king got up, a real new king, who didn't know Yosef, and that's why he was able to do this decree. But even then, it's kind of uh, difficult for a new king not to know history to that extent, not to know everything that took place, especially as we maybe read... He was, maybe he was jealous of Joseph. He must have been. Joseph has so much power. Yep, I'm sure he was. Maybe he was jealous of Joseph. Yep. But here, according to the first interpretation, we're saying that he didn't know Yosef. So we're trying sort of to soften and say, well, it's a new, so maybe he didn't know so much. We're trying to soften it a little bit. But still, the point here is, he couldn't have not known it at all. On top of that, it wasn't just, let's say a new king came in from, who knows, from somewhere else. But it says that he said to his people, so he wasn't alone, it was all the people there as well. So what happened to all the people? How could all the people all of a sudden change and not remember what Yosef has done for them? But still, it is not 
so difficult as according to the other one that says that it was the same Pharaoh, but he just started to make these terrible decrees on them. So over there, we don't really understand why would he do that. Then the Torah is really coming to tell us how evil he is. That notwithstanding that we have just experienced so much benefit from Yosef and the Jewish people, that it didn't deter him, it didn't stop him from all the evil that he was going to do. So, and that's unfortunately that we also, you know, the Jews have helped a lot of people, and then they turn on them. Even in our own country, over here in the United States, which is a blessed country, notwithstanding with all the problems that we still have, but still, if you ask most people, they'll tell you that they want to live in the United States of America. It's still the best country. Now, some people that don't say so, you have to tell them, should go experience what life is in another country. And when they'll experience what it's elsewhere, they're going to have second thoughts. But uh, still, um, within the, this country, we know that a lot of Jewish peoples are very liberal-minded. They have a lot of the people that are progressives. And I don't need to mention names. We have some Jewish senators who are like leading the progressives and the... Uh, but that could be an extreme which is not, you know, not productive and not reasonable. But sometimes, most of the time, the uh, some of the ideals that the liberal has, uh, social justice and care for other people, and, you know, spending money, charity for other people, that's... Those are good ideas. Those are Torah ideas. Those are reflect the morals and the uh, ideals of the Torah to help another person, to be there for them. But, like for example, we know that the uh, history not that far along. You know, we know that the the the, the black peoples, the African Americans, you know, they were enslaved by the white people, who are the ones that fought for their freedoms, for their rights. It was spirit, a lot of the Jewish people were in the forefront. And then you wonder sometimes, and you see some, some, some of the Al Sharptons of the world, and the Jesse Jacksons, the hatred that they have towards Jews, when the Jews themselves were the ones that actually fought for them. So, tooth and nails, they went to march and they went and they were part and then so this is nothing new that it's new, at the time of uh, Paro we see that, you know uh, he knew Yosef and yet it didn't uh, stop him and uh, he made this new decrees but the verse has to, explains it it says, Asher lo yoda es Yosef, who didn't know Yosef. According to the first interpretation that it was actually a new king, 
then it means literally he did not know Yosef. Okay. How, what, but he didn't know. But according to the second interpretation, that it was the same king. He just came up with new decrees. So then you have to say, Asher Loyodam, that he didn't know means he pretended as if he didn't know. Um. In other words, Rashi uses the words, He made himself as if he had no knowledge, as if he doesn't know who uh, Yosef is. So I ask, why is the first opinion more reasonable? Why is the first opinion more reasonable? In other words, a new king. Because first of all, uh, when you say by Yokomela Chodosh, a new, new means new. I mean, you know, new doesn't mean new decrees. Of course, a king makes decrees. But here it doesn't say there were by Yokom uh, decrees, new decrees. It says a new king got him. How would you learn Melech Hadash? So therefore, the first interpretation seems to be more reasonable. It is also more reasonable because the second part of the verse, over there we're translating it, he didn't know Yosef. Literally, he didn't know Yosef. If we should say that it's the same king, then we have to say, oh, he pretended not to know Yosef. So when you try to read the literal ver, literal translation of the verse, the first one fits in more into the actual words of the Pasuk. It says, A new king got up in Egypt. New means new, a new king. And then it says, He did not know Yosef means he didn't know him, simply. That's the simple meaning. If we say, on the other hand, oh, a new decrees came up, a king with new, the new decrees of the king came up. And then we also have to say that he pretended not to know Yosef because it was the same king, so he knew Yosef. The difficulty, as mentioned earlier, with the other with the interpretation that it's a new king is because we don't find the Torah talking about the death of the old paro. It would be it would only be reasonable to tell you first about the previous. You know, we say a new king got up. Tell tell us first what happened to the old king before you tell us the new king came up. And so that's why it's a little bit difficult. That's why we have the other interpretation. But the difficulty is not. Earth-shattering. It's not such a because. You have to remember that this is not here chronologically telling us uh, to uh, write down how things happened. There was this king, that king. We're just trying to explain uh, what took place over here, you know, that all of a sudden, He's starting to make decrees. What happened? So the verse has to tell you there is a new king, but doesn't have to tell you all the details. Okay. What what is the Torah trying to tell us over here? Why didn't the Torah just explain to it? Tell us about the decrees. Continue straight on to the Pasuk. 
that he went and he decided and he made a, a decree that all the babies should be thrown into the river. Why do we have to say first it was a new king? So it's one of two things. Either the Torah is trying to tell us how is it possible for people to change so drastically. So that is sort of explaining how could they, according to the first interpretation, the question is how could they do such a terrible thing? So in order to answer that, we're saying, well, this was a new king who didn't know Yosef, so that's why he did it. So that's one reason. The other way to learn it is to tell us, look, there's such evil. Why is the Pasuk telling us? To tell us that notwithstanding everything that was done for them, and yet this is how deep their hatred and their um, desire to hurt the Jewish people was, that notwithstanding everything that was done for them, they didn't care about it. That's why the Torah is trying to tell us. Either way, what do we see over here? We see over here, you can never really rely on a pharaoh. You can't rely on the, you can't rely. You know, a lot of times, people feel that they have friends in places of power. And they believe that because they have connections, those connections are going to sort of protect them. This expression called like Queen Esther. Oh, we have a sister who's in the court of the king. Uh, she'll protect us, you know. Some people have an attitude uh, when uh, you know, we need like the Jewish people the state of Israel say needs American support, it needs American money, it needs American weapons. You know, people argue that as much as Israel needs America, America needs Israel too, which is also true, but that's also a miracle. But the Jewish people sometimes begin, instead of speaking the truth and speaking and relying that Hashem is really the master of the world, they put their entire faith in the politicians. Oh, I'm friendly with this politician. And sometimes, you know, Paro starts making decrees, you know, over here. Even it was a new Paro, an old Paro. Starts making decrees. So, some people have the attitude and say, what are we going to do? We're in exile. We're under the government of Pharaoh. And if he makes a decree, we're not going to resist it. We're going to go along. Sometimes the decrees on a spiritual levels contradict the spirit of Yiddishkeit, contradict Torah. And instead of doing things according to the Torah, they follow the decrees, the decrees that are put out. Sometimes those decrees, sometimes these matters contradict the Torah. Like So, 
One thing we have to know that we cannot rely, we cannot rely on other people, we cannot. And remember, when Israel made the peace treaty with Egypt and gave away the entire Sinai Peninsula, the Rebbe was very, very much against it. And the Rebbe explained that, we see that today, that land, actual pieces, parcels of land, the Sinai, the desert, that is actual real estate, that's goods. And American promises that will protect you and will fight for you and will give you the money, you know, that doesn't add up to much of anything versus giving away people actual territory which brings the enemy that much closer to the to the to your doors now i know a lot of people argue and say well that's why we have peace with egypt and that's why but the point here is at the end of the day we can't rely on anybody we can't rely that king, is a new king. If you want to say, first we have Trump, now we have Biden, and Melchadosh, this one, you know, now we see how uh, this one liked Bibi, now he doesn't like him, and now this, you know, the old, the different policy. We have to know that we are connected to Hashem, and we have to know that we have to stay strong. Yes, as Rabbi puts it, we got to talk respectful, we got to be diplomatically correct, but we gotta be strong. Rabbi says, when Hashem sent Moshe Rabbeinu, He sent them with a stick. Yeah, He says, talk to him. But you have that stick in your hand. You have that stick. In other words, you be tough. Don't be a pushover. Don't have uh, Paro dictate by you, but stay strong. Okay, let me do a point from the uh, second uh, talk, from the second Sikha. Uh Over here, we discuss about, so what was the decree? The decree was to put him, to throw all the children into the Nile River. The boys, first he wanted to... Uh, get rid of the boys. Why? Why did he choose to throw them into the Nile River? So Rashi brings down, the Medrash says, because he saw that the one who's going to save the Yidden, the one who's going to save the Jews, is going to be smitten by water. Now, we know later on the story that Moshe Rabbeinu, instead of talking to the rock, he hit the rock and the water came out. So that's where he was smitten, that's where Moshe Rabbeinu was punished. So they wanted to drown because they thought on the day that the stargazers saw that Moshe Rabbeinu was born. So they wanted to throw in all the boys into the river, so they thought that's the way to get rid of Moshe Rabbeinu. So then, but she had a little baby, Yochevet had a little baby Moshe. So the Pasuk says, She can no longer hide him. 
she hid it. She made a calculation. She didn't they, during the pregnancy. They, so now she couldn't hide it. So what did she do? So the verse says she took a box made out of goma and it's kind of a rubber kind of a, from a tree called goma and she uh, pasted it together she made it water, she waterproofed it from the inside and the outside then she placed the baby a yellow she placed the baby in it but I want you to look at these words over here it says Vatosem Basuf Al Where did she exactly place that baby? She placed it in the suf. What is the suf? So the verse says, the suf that is on the Sefasayir. Sefasayir means the river bank. That would mean that she did not actually put the baby into the actual water of the Nile River. But she put him on the sefas on the edge of the river, on the river bank. Okay, but let's read a little further. The verse says his sister, that was Miriam, stood from a distance. She wanted to see what's going to happen to him. And then the verse says the daughter of Pharaoh went down to bathe in the river. And then she had her maid servants were walking along the side of the river. And then the verse said, she saw the box inside the suf. Inside the suf. So she went into the river and she saw it inside the suf. And she stretched her hands and she took it. Here the understanding is, not actually because the verse talks about, this verse itself is not yet the full evidence, but later on she said, she called him Moshe. Why would she call him Moshe? Because she says, because I pulled him, out of the water. That tells us that it was actually in the water. But wait a minute. Over here it only says that she put him on the edge of the water, on the river bank. And over there, she says she pulled him out from the water. So there's an interesting uh, interpretation from the uh, Ragachover Gon, Rabbi Yosef Rosin, known as the the genius of Ragachev is a very, very uh, great, brilliant mind and uh, knew all of the Torah and is very, uh, wrote many books. And, uh, but he, has, he suggests like this. Uh, we learn in the Medrash that why did Pari go down to bathe, the daughter of Pari go to bathe? She was actually going to the mikveh to re- rid herself uh, from Abu Dazara. She was that sort of a conversion for her in the uh, river, into the Nile River. Uh, the Nile River had the status 
of an idol. Like an idol. Why? Because the people of Egypt worshipped the Nile. The Nile was their idol. Why was the Nile idol? Why was the Nile their idol? Because the the, uh, the Nile provided for their sustenance, and because it's, so they they worshipped it. And when somebody's life is in danger, you know you're allowed to violate all the Torah, but you're still not allowed to worship idols. So he explains like this: when they were trying to save Moshe, they couldn't put him into the river. Because to save Moshe by using Avodah is prohibited. So they had to put him on the side of the river, on the river bank. Couldn't use the river itself. The river was Avodah Only after she went down to bathe herself, uh, she gave up the Avodah so she sort of nullified the Avodah so then the basket can go into the river because you're no longer being protected by Avodah She basically nullified the Avodah Are you saying Miriam put her little brother on the riverbank and it was not sure if Miriam, Sarah's I think Yocheved did it, I think. I'm not sure if Miriam, yeah. Okay. Uh, the sister yeah, stood I, on the side to see what's going to happen. Oh, okay. But actually, right. who placed it must have been Yocheved herself. The mother, yeah. Mm-hmm. Must have been the mother. But here the interesting point is that originally they put him on the side because you can't use Avodazar. The fact that the daughter of Pare went to bathe herself in there and that way she took away Avodazara, so therefore he can go now and do so. one of the things we see, what Moshe did over here, he nullified Avodazara. But we also see, the Medrash says, that once Moshe was put into the river, the stargazer says, oh, he's already been put into the river. So Pharaoh said, okay, no more decree. They can already stay alive because they thought, because they thought that he was in the river, so they thought that they were accomplished their, their task to get him into punish him in the, by uh, getting rid of Moshe by bringing the river. So what do we see? That Moshe Rabbeinu got rid of the Vodah and got rid of the decree. What the Rebbe is trying to say over here, that the decree itself, the Rebbe brings out, that the decree that the Egyptian wanted, they wanted to sort of impose their lifestyle on the Jewish people, the culture, which is sort of like an Avodah Zorah. They wanted to get them to believe and to worship and to follow their line of thinking. You see, in Egypt it doesn't rain. They don't look up to the sky. They don't look up to Hashem for rain, for needs. They don't need to. To them, it is the Nile River, which is the Avodah which basically means nature. Everything is nature. Nature provides, nature gives, and that's the way we live our lives. We live our lives by just following all the rules of nature, and that's it. A yid 
in truth, is higher than nature. A Yid has a connection with Hashem, has a connection with the Torah, and a Yid is beyond and above nature. They wanted to throw them into the Nile River means what? They wanted to give them the culture of the river. And while the Yidin were in exile in Mitzrayim, throwing them into the river would be throwing them into the ideas, into the way of life of the Egyptians, which means only believe in the power of nature, and then that's it. But when you go to Eretz Yisrael, we know that it's Yisrael, it's rain. But there we have to ask Hashem. We know that rain comes, we always pray in the davening, and we pray, and we mention the rain, or in the, in the rain season. So therefore, a yid needs to be in a higher level. So Moshe Rabbeinu, Basically, what did he do? Moshe Rabbeinu lived in the time that Yidin already were in exile. So, over here, when we're starting this story with Paru that we're up to now, the Jewish people, they came from the land of Canaan, they moved to Egypt. So as long as they were still alive, they still had something left from their background, what they had in the land of Canaan. So they had a little bit of the ideals that from back home they still had it with them. But then they all died. Avram Yitzchak Yaakov died, the tribes died. So, and Yosef died. So now there is a whole new set of circumstances. And now we're really worried we're going to be in deep exile over here. So, Moshe Rabbeinu, which means, in a way, Jewish people are always believers. We always believe. We have it in our DNA. But, you know, sometimes when there is a lot of tzoros and there is a lot of challenges, sometimes when the exile gets, we forget. And our Ramuna, our belief, is maybe not even sufficient to carry us through. That's where Moshe Rabbeinu uh, comes in. Moshe Rabbeinu, with his birth, saving the Yidin means that he gave them sort of that there's a new era to realize that the Yidin are not under the Nile River, uh, nullifies the Avodah nullifies the decree and brings about the redemption. In our lives, when we find that we're challenged, and we find that Ramuna is challenged, we have to get inspiration that from this story that Moshe Rabbeinu is brought out, he saves the Jewish people. He saves us from our predicaments. He takes us out from the Nile, takes us out of Egypt, and he leads us to Eretz Yisrael. Okay.
I'm going to leave it with this today, these uh, two ideas that we discussed. One about the king, the new king, and the other thing is about uh, Moshe and the box of Moshe and to, and to understand that we need to be strong and that we can do it even in the final uh, challenges while we do face them, but the Moshe in us that we have is going to pull us out. And the Amuna that we have is going to shine so that our daily lives will be impacted in the positive way. Beautiful. I want to wish everybody a good week. Yes, and thank you, Rabbi. Yeah. Next week thank again. you, Rabbi. Rabbi, was it...